an all-new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. And there is a lot of news to cover and so much that has happened in the world of the NFL, the world of professional wrestling, which just seems like there's news every day. Uh, I got all of that to cover. That's going to be the main event of this episode. So much ground to cover. Um, I hope I don't make this too long of an episode, but there is quite a bit of stuff that I need to catch you all up on and, and give you my takes and opinions. So hopefully you all will enjoy me for this uh, this next hour or so, which is probably what it's going to take to cover all of this. So thank you guys for tuning in and listening. Um, wanted to recap this weekend uh, with this first thought. So Jungle Cruise was the number one movie in America. I think we all predicted that. Um, for those of you that follow box office and how well movies do in theaters and and whatnot we all predicted that right the question was you know at least with me was how much was this movie gonna do like i really found this one hard to gauge you know it's got dwayne johnson it's got emily blunt two you know pretty pretty bankable stars in terms of like if you put them in something uh people are gonna come out and see it um as you know, Emily Blunt was in A Quiet Place Part 2, which came out earlier in May, and that did phenomenal business. It's already available on demand and on Paramount+, Plus, and I think it just came out on Blu-ray for you to purchase if, if you're into physical media like me. So she's uh, she's a well-known commodity, and putting her and The Rock together for a bit of a comedic duel, I could see that working, and I can see that appealing to people. But also, Jungle Cruise is not an established uh, franchise or anything like that, although Disney really, really wants that to happen, and they did their best in the marketing. Um, but there's a lot of other factors that came into play with that. Not only, you know, just the unknown and uh, something fresh and original, which I know it's Disney, but this is an original movie. It's something that hasn't been done before. It's based off of a Disney ride. So they're trying to go the route of Pirates of the Caribbean, but I don't think you were going to get a type of, you know, Captain Jack Sparrow type performance like Johnny Depp did for that movie. That was really what the what the driving force behind that was back in what, when that movie came out in 2003. So you had all of that, that factor that really boasted it into this huge franchise. This, I don't know, this is way different. And of course, we're in so much new territory now. It's not like the way it was before in terms of like trying to create a new franchise. Pretty much studios have it in their minds that when they release something, it is a franchise and people are signed to multiple picture deals. But it all depends on how the movie does box office wise, because if it doesn't make any money, then, you know, you're not going to get anything. You know, you look at movies like Divergent, they didn't get to finish their series, you know, because of poor box office results for the sequels that came over and over and over again. Um, I believe the last one was like the Maze Runner, but that like, came like it started off strong but then just fizzled out quickly so again you try to establish all these franchises like with for sure sequels and whatnot but we we just don't know and now we have this whole thing of the delta variant that's you know we have surging cases around the united states that are popping up and are people hesitant to come back to the theaters or or go out in places now um when i was at work this weekend that was certainly weighing on my mind it's like is it because people don't care about this movie or is it because you know the this variant thing and you know we my theater does pretty well for family movies you know we did well for boss baby we did well for space jam like incredibly well so this is a family-friendly disney film and it's got some notable stars so i'm like okay 
I was expecting a, a pretty good matinee, like early afternoon showings for this movie, and it, it just wasn't there. And I'm like, okay, like it could be one or two things, and I'm, I'm not going to blame it for either because, again, we're in uncertain times. But um, it was number one, and it opened to 34 million, which was right around where it was projected. I didn't give any predictions because I had no idea. Um, I think once I was at work on Friday, I was thinking like, oh, maybe this might come in below 20 million, but uh, it didn't. And uh, again, just ride it projected for studios and whatnot and this is a movie that cost 200 million dollars to make that was its budget so 34 million not a a really good place to start unless this thing has legs but i highly doubt it um this movie was also a premiere access on disney plus so you had the opportunity to watch it at home if you paid an extra 30 dollars for it now, they released the numbers for that, which I thought they weren't going to. I thought, really, Black Widow uh, was going to be the uh, the only one where they would release those type of numbers. And even then, I'm still kind of, like, suspicious on them. Like, I don't totally believe it. But, you know, we'll we'll take them for their word, even though Disney has done some really shady stuff. And I'll talk about that in just a bit. So, the numbers for Jungle Cruise on Disney+, Plus, and this is, like, globally around the world, not just in the United States, um... And, of course, that $34 million that I mentioned was just here for the U.S. Um, the global numbers for Jungle Cruise on Disney Plus were around $30 million. So you're looking at a total of $60 million? Like, we're not even coming close to that $200 million budget for that movie. And not to mention all the money that they spent on marketing. So um, it's a number one movie in America, but it's a disappointing number one, if that makes any sense. I guess you can say the same for, like, Space Jam. It opened pretty strong about expectations, but it was still like a movie that was probably cost a lot to make, and it fizzled out pretty quickly at the box office as well. So, But that's been happening for a lot of movies this summer is where they're having these huge openings, and then they have these huge fall-offs. The only ones that I really saw, and again, this is just for me personally working at the theaters, um, the ones that had good legs were you know, A Quiet Place, um, F9, The Fast Saga, and at least in my theater, like movies like The Forever Purge, and I started looking at things like this, and I'm like, okay, well, why why are those movies having like legs? And not just for the fact that they're probably better movies, but also because they have that exclusivity window of uh, box office potential, right? So, 45 days is the number for Paramount movies, and that is what A Quiet Place is. Uh, that's the the studio that made that movie, so. Okay, there's reasoning for that. So people are, can only see it in theaters and it maximizes potential. Um, same thing for F9. I think it's on demand now. But, uh, you know, it was at least exclusive to the theaters for 30 days plus because it opened huge. And that one is under Universal Studios. So I believe the deal between Universal Studios and theaters is that if it opens above like 50 million, it'll have exclusivity only to the theaters for 30 days at least so it won't be able to go to on demand or anything like that now it is because that that mark has passed but i think that's a huge reason why so again exclusivity for theaters is still your best opportunity to make as much money as you can and as we transition over to how that affects certain things let's talk let, let's keep it on disney a little bit so um on Friday, 
as I was at work, I started getting notifications from friends and, you know, just reading up on the movie, movie news world. Cause I like to write as I'm in the middle of work. I like to see how movies are performing box office wise. So I, I check up on all the news and all that stuff. News started coming out that, um, Scarlett Johansson was going to sue Disney for the way things were handled with the Black Widow release in terms of them splitting it and putting it in theaters and also on Disney Plus, which kind of undermined her bonuses as far as like how much movie this could make from a theatrical standpoint. Because I, from what I read and stuff, like her contract and, and her salaries and all that were based on how this movie performed theatrically. And now that the Disney Plus factor is in play, you know, that's kind of like really undermined it. And, uh, you know, I get what Disney was trying to do, you know, trying to please both parties because we're still in a pandemic. But that's not the movie star's fault. You know, they signed a contract and you figure like the studio should abide by it. Warner Brothers did the smart thing ahead of time before, what was it, Wonder Woman 1984's release. And they paid director Gal, uh, director Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot extra money on the side, like a bonus or whatever. And even uh, they were promoting it for HBO Max because that was going to be a simultaneous release. They're the ones that really kick-started that uh, ordeal. But see, Warner Brothers made good with them to at least pay them ahead of time. Say, hey, look, we're sorry. This is going to cut into the theatrical box office potential. And not just because of the pandemic, but here, here's some extra money. And also, could you please promote it for us on HBO Max as well? And they did that, and that's awesome. Disney could have done the exact same thing here with Black Widow and given Scarlett Johansson an extra, you know, 15, 20 million. She is deserving of it, folks. So for all you Marks and fanboys that are like, ah, she's a, she's not even that big of a character. No, Scarlett Johansson has been a big contributor to the Marvel franchise and MCU. She's been around since the beginning. So, yeah, she's earned her paycheck and she's earned her stripes. And she's a pretty good draw in action movies for the most part. So uh, good for her on suing Disney. And, you know, and p- other people are going to follow suit because, again, notifications started coming up that Emma Stone was going to do that. Uh, again, Cruella just released earlier in May. And that movie did pretty decently in our theaters. But would it have done better? Um if it had just been a theatrical release and not Disney Plus, I could certainly say so because this movie kind of surprised me. I thought I thought nobody really would have cared about this movie, but this movie really lingered for a while and people were going to check it out. So who knows what would have happened if it was just theaters only? I think it would have had a bigger opening. Probably could have matched it with A Quiet Place Part Two. Could have made it an even bigger weekend. You no, know, would have been neck and neck. But uh, again, A Quiet Place Part Two had that exclusivity. For 45 days, so yes, people were going to go out and spend more money to watch that. So yeah, Emma Stone is weighing her options right now. I haven't read an update on her, but uh, there's rumblings Emily Blunt's going to do it now for Jungle Cruise, which I don't blame her. Um, you know, that's an extra. If, if it made 30 million globally, you know, that's let's say it's half, right? You know, you could have added another 15 million to the U.S. domestic debut, and you know, and you would have hit the mark around 45, 50 million. Now that looks better. For Jungle Cruise from a domestic standpoint in terms of like, hey, maybe we got a franchise here. But now it's like been undermined. And and, I, and again, I'm sorry for those of you that are like pro streaming and watching things at home. But, you know, movie stars, that they do probably make more than they should. But they've also earned that reputation because of the of the business that they're in. So good for them. 
you know the these females that are that are doing this you know they've earned the right they've they're they've certainly earned their stripes throughout the years emma stone another great actress emily blunt of course um but we'll see what the president's gonna be they uh scarlett johansson's leading the way so you know this whole day day in the streaming and the same time as a theater maybe you know again give that exclusivity back to the theaters for a longer period of time my my personal favorite of course has been the paramount uh deal which is 45 days into the theater like that's perfect that's where we'll make most of our money anyway and then put it on a streamer like whatever if you have to pay a little extra you know even disney like jesus like do you have to charge that much 30 dollars to watch jungle cruise at home I get it for a Marvel movie because they're like the biggest thing in the world. But for Jungle Cruise, I would have at least chopped it down $10, $15. Like, don't be so greedy. And don't be so greedy in trying to turn this on Scarlett Johansson. Pay her her money. You know, you undermine that. Black Widow could have easily opened to over $100 million at the box office. I personally didn't care for the movie, but I knew it was going to do business. So, um, yeah. So that, that's what's going on right now with the box office world and the recap of this weekend. I'm going to be interested to see how the Suicide Squad does. You know, the, the Delta variant continues to to gain steam. What is it? COVID making a comeback from 28.3 is what I've been reading online. That's hilarious. Hilarious, but not hilarious just because this is a real serious thing. But it's going to be interesting to see if that continues to play a factor into box office expectations. Uh, what the Suicide Squad has going for it right now is that it's got great marketing right now uh, all over, you know, it's all over, you know, Warner's TV, like, you know, TNT networks that are associated with Warner Brothers and HBO and all that stuff. Um, John Cena's doing incredible marketing. Not only is he back in WWE promoting that movie, so that's going to get that fan base going for that, but also he's making his media rounds in the Peacemaker costume. So, He's he's very smart. God bless this John Cena guy. The year of John Cena, as I've stated on this podcast, I will take full credit for that. Um, WWE marketing off my thing. They're calling it the summer of Cena. No, no, this is the year of John Cena. So he's going around in this Peacemaker outfit promoting the movie, and it's getting more awareness, not just for the Suicide Squad movie, but for John Cena himself and that character to make it a, a more well-known uh, character in pop culture because I've been told by friends who who follow like all the DC stuff the Peacemaker is a very minor character but the fact that while they were filming this movie or at least early in the production wrap of filming they announced a spinoff series for HBO Max that was going to be totally based on this character and have John Cena and James Gunn all involved so he must have done a hell of a job and must have impressed the executives at, at at Warner's and HBO Max and all the head, you know, honchos over there to say, hey, we're going to green light a series with this guy, even though the movie hasn't even come out yet. Like, that's incredible. Usually for, you know, back in the day, you'd have, like, the movie come out and you'd have the movie, like, gain momentum and steam and legs and and you'd hear about, like, all the buzz of whether, you know, this person, you know, was a standout in the movie, was a showcase in the movie and then, you know, you could make a, a side movie off of them or not with streaming. Now they just basically get their own series and can continue on there. So, again, John Cena has been very smart with the marketing. I don't know if this was his idea. I can see it. I can see him, like, with those creative ideas in his head. Like, hey, why don't I promote this movie with the costume? It's such. It's so easy. Like, it doesn't look like it's a hard 
costume to get in and out of. So the fact that he's been doing it like this, you know, he was on Jimmy Kimmel like this. They had their red carpet event uh, yesterday worldwide, which is why John Cena wasn't in, on Raw, which could have used his help desperately. My guy had an awful show, but that's besides the point. But he was in the red carpet premiere in full costume, and I'm seeing videos all over Twitter today of him, like, interacting with different people in that costume, and that's just so cool. Like, anybody else, you know, that, you know, I don't see a Dwayne Johnson doing that, The Rock, you know, I think he's got too much, you know, testosterone to be like, oh, no, like, I can't be seen wearing my costume in in media appearances, whatever, I'll look like a geek. But he couldn't pull it off. He would look like a geek. John Cena is just funny as shit. And uh, it just helps his brand. And it's going to do great things for him. So, again, all of this buzz and marketing. And the fact that the movie is getting well-received by critics. And I'm not swayed by that. Like, I'll always be... I mean, great that it's getting all these amazing reviews. Um, And even though it's one of my most anticipated movies of the year, I'm still going to reserve my thoughts for whatever I think of the movie when I go see it. So I'm not going to be, I'm not going to go into it being like, yeah, like this thing is awesome because people are saying it's awesome already. No, I'm going to judge that for myself, but there are a lot of people out there that will go off, you know, and I've seen it working at the theaters, you know, they'll be like, you know, thinking about what movie to watch. And they'll be like, well, what is Rotten Tomatoes saying? And, and that's a real thing, folks. People do go off of that. And right now, I believe from the last time I checked, I think this thing is around 98%, which if it stays like that to opening day, probably won't. It'll probably drop to like the early or, you know, small 90s, maybe like 91, 92, somewhere around the Dark Knight range. It'll be the highest rated reviewed DC movie since like the Dark Knight. And that's incredible. And that's just good buzz for DC. You know, Marvel's in the fritz right now with, you know, their shows kind of just being like, well, they've come and gone. Like, there hasn't... I mean, there was buzz on them, but, like, you know, Loki ended almost, like, a month ago, and, like, some cool stuff happened in that show, and I liked it a lot, but, you know, I haven't really seen people online talking about it or anything. You know, this whole drama with Black Widow and the aftermath of the box office and Scarlett Johansson and Disney um, at a standstill. Kevin Feige, the head of, of Marvel Studios, is apparently not... You know, he's he's fed up, and he's tired of of Disney strategy with this whole day in streaming and theater uh, distribution. He was, I remember him saying on record that the Marvel movies were going to be like exclusive to theaters. So, you know, Disney just for the last second was like, yeah, no, nah, we're going to, we're going to also put this on Disney plus. So I think, I think Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings, which is coming out in less than a month. And again, where's, Where's the buzz on that? Like, you know, we're, we're close to another Marvel movie and like there's barely any buzz on it. Um, so yeah, like what's going on with that? So right now, like DC is gaining a lot of momentum. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff that I want to talk about with DC, but I'm going to save that for when I bring on Tyler Bishop back to the show. We're going to go catch the Suicide Squad together and then we're going to do a, a podcast on it and then we're going to catch you all up on everything that's going on DC. A lot of, Fun stuff happening, a lot of stuff getting announced, uh, and good stuff, right? Like different stuff, but it doesn't look like the the, the same paint by number stuff that Marvel's doing. Like, I'm not trying to bash Marvel, but like, gosh, they're playing it so safe now, and it's like mm, they need they need some juice back in their system. And I'm sure it'll happen when we come to the end of the year. And Spider Man No Way Out comes out. I know it's called No Way Home, but I'm going to call it No Way Out. Um, 
when that comes out in December, they'll get the momentum back because then Doctor Strange will follow follow not soon after. But yeah, again, this ties back into the Suicide Squad. I think this is going to kick off a new era for DC where they're going to kind of start to be in the not in the full driver's seat, but like you know, momentum's a real thing, and we're seeing it right now with wrestling, right? With you know, WWE's been like the standard for so long. But they've kind of like started to slip and just coast on and coast on and coast on for so many years and, you know, not really paying attention to, you know, correctly doing storylines and all that. And that just boiled into a revolution and this whole other company has started up. And right now they are gaining all of the momentum on their side. And that's going to tie into stuff that I'm going to talk about later in this episode. So, yeah, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, in the box office world, and again, I'm super pumped for the Suicide Squad this week, so I'm curious to see how it's going to do. It, I think it's projected at around 50 to 55 million. I'm going to take a couple more days, not too many more days, right? So I, by Thursday, for sure, I'll have a better idea of what I think this movie is going to make, and I'll try to make a projection, even though that that Delta variant variable is out there. And so is the HBO Max thing, but... Um, we've been, HBO Max has actually kind of been the winner in this whole thing. You know, they, they've, their streaming and, and theater business has kind of like not really been affected because the movies that they've been putting out, like people want to go see those on the big screen and yeah, there's some they'll check out on streaming, like an In the Heights. I'm sure In the Heights did way better on HBO Max than in the theaters, but you want to talk about Godzilla versus Kong. I'm sure that did better in the theaters than what was presented on HBO Max, even though it probably got a good amount of viewers. But you know what I mean. So HBO Max is the clear winner in all of this, and they still got a few more movies to go, including The Suicide Squad this week. So again, I don't think that's going to factor too much because this is another big comic book movie. It's like there's a lot of curiosity factor to it, right? Because the last one, although it made a huge chunk of money, a lot of people hated that movie, I myself included. Um so I want to see what's done different this time. And, and again, James Gunn, who who brought credibility with the Guardians uh, franchise. And I bet you, I bet you he had a hell of a, a lot of more fun making this movie than the Guardians movies. Because Guardians, although it's his, like, footprints all over it, you know, he's kind of still on that leash by Kevin Feige, right? Because they got to toe the line and they got to make sure everything stays coherent with the timelines and all that stuff. For us here in the Suicide Squad, it's like, hey, man, I'm sure Warners was like, look, man, Disney fired you. We're going to scoop you up. What do you want to do? You want to do the Suicide Squad? We just did. You have a better version of it? Fine. Here's the money. Go make it. Go balls out. Do it however you want. And I think he got his full vision. So that's why I think it's getting a lot of those rave reviews, right? Because it's kind of like hands free. He can he's free to go to work and use the people that he wants to use and all that stuff. Plus. He's also said that superhero movies have kind of been like boring over the last couple of years. So let's see what kind of different flavor he brings to this. Can he make it different? You know, can he make it like his own type of a a Logan or a Dark Knight? You know, just something different. Not doesn't have to be gravitas, great and epic, but could it be different? So that's all factors into this weekend. So I'm super pumped. But let's take a break here. When we come back, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into a lot of NFL news that I have yet to cover uh, since I've been doing my shows here this summer. So stick around. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. 
Robert Dubois. He's in prison for putting Superman in the ICU. I'm not joining your suicide squad. We'll see. It's okay, I'm not okay. Let's meet your team. <laughs> Max, August 6th, we did our. Welcome back to the show. And of course, Suicide Squad is out this Friday in theaters and HBO Max. Looking forward to that. But let's get into some NFL news. Gosh, when was the last time I talked football on this show? It was probably at the release of the NFL schedule, which was a while back, or it feels like it's been a while. I mean, it hasn't been too far long, but you know, NBA's gone, come and gone. You know, the Olympics are going on right now, but I really don't have a lot of interest in that. So it's like I need my football fix. And luckily, we're we're in some storylines right now that are, are just crazy. Um, I know I was supposed to do this episode with two more guests, and we were going to move forward and, and do this football show. But unfortunately, a lot of our timing is way off. We're way out of sync in terms of schedules, and I really need to get this thing going. Like, I'm super serious about doing it, so... Uh, this is my official notice out there. I mean, I'm looking for a guest host or hosts. If, if you are willing to do this show with me week in and week out, uh, once we start the NFL season and, and cover it with me and predict games and, you know, and all that fun stuff, we can talk about all the crazy storylines going on. Like, if you're really interested in that, you know, do message me on my Facebook page at Palace Off the Top Rope. I'm available on Twitter. Um, if you know me personally, you can get on my personal instagram or personal facebook page message me text me call me you know whatever if you're really interested let me know but you have to be like fully committed and our schedules really got to sync up because i'm gonna be going with this like full throttle you know i'm not gonna be like holding back and trying to adjust and readjust to other people's schedule like no if i say i'm gonna this is my show if i say we're gonna do it on this day like i expect us to do it that day and and get it done like i'm not trying to be a a dictator whatnot but i mean it is pals off the top rope, right? Like I can be a little selfish if it's my show, right? I'm the one, you know, <laughs> providing all the equipment. All you have to do is come talk. Like that's all you got to do. So the least you can meet me halfway is like, cool. I'll be there whenever you need me. Just like if it were if it were the if it were the total opposite. If somebody needed a co-host and I was gonna go be on their show, I'd be like, okay, cool. When do you need me there? I will. You know, move whatever I have to so I can be there when you need me to be, right? It's your show. I'm just going to be a contributor for it. So that's all I asked. And so, yeah. So no disrespect to the other guys that were going to be involved. You know, I wish them well and all that stuff. But uh, I need to move forward, and, and there's a lot of stuff to get to. So let's get to it. So first off, Aaron Rodgers is coming back. He's going to play for the Green Bay Packers this year, which is incredible news because, you know, I know – I'm a Tom Brady guy. I root for Tom Brady and everything. I want him to win all the championships and nobody get nothing. That's the way I want it. I want my happiness in football and sports and you get nothing. Um, but having no Aaron Rodgers in the NFL, that'd be bad for business. You know, there's a lot of fun matchups this year, including one with the Kansas City Chiefs. So I want to see Mahomes versus Rodgers. That would have been like a total bummer if we had to miss out on that. So, yes, he's coming back, and I'm not sure what the terms are of the – he got a new contract and whatnot, but I think – I think this is his last hurrah in Green Bay because I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to play that much longer for the organization. And There's been a lot of weird press conferences, and, 
you know, him calling out the, the top brasses for how they handled like veteran players and whatnot. And, you know, I get Green Bay's brass from their point of view and, and how they conduct business. Cause again, what a lot of people forget is that the NFL is a business and, um, some of these players need to do realize that. Um, Colin Coward covered it perfectly on his show and he looked into all the players that Aaron Rodgers listed that were like not treated right or fairly on their way out and, you know, there was a couple of players that the, the Packers organization whiffed on, but for the most part, like, the other players, like, you know, they did like the Patriots would do and Belichick would do. You know, they would get rid of players, like, a year early as opposed to keeping them, like, a year past, like, what, you know, past their prime or whatnot, you know. Um, again, it's just business, you know. We, we got to move forward. But so Aaron Rodgers is going to play one more season at least in Green Bay. We'll see if it's for longer, but I highly doubt it. I think that that relationship is completely fractured and you know i think aaron needs to do a little bit of uh like damage control for his personality so he was contemplating retirement which to me signals okay well maybe he's not all the way in so you know i won't feel bad for him if he doesn't you know make it to a super bowl this year at least with the packers you know he's not all in you know you look at somebody like tom brady he's like throwing tantrums at practice because you know uh a receiver missed a catch when he should have made the play and it's like dude that guy's still all in on earning it every single day and then you wonder why he ends up winning all the championships and yeah all you haters out there can talk about how oh he gets superstars on his deeps and he gets he always has the defenses but ah, it's all just hogwash at this point like the guy puts in the time he's always watching film he's always you know he hypes up his teammates. He's such like the ultimate teammate. Like Aaron Rodgers is like the almost the complete opposite. Of that. And I love Aaron Rodgers. Don't get me wrong. Like he was fun to watch earlier. I, think, I believe almost a month ago, him and Tom Brady were playing against each other in a celebrity golf tournament or matchup. You know, Aaron Rodgers is a fun personality. I love to watch him play football. He's he's a great talent. He, we need him in the NFL. He's box office. Like like if he's on a on a marquee matchup on Fox NFL Sunday or, or CBS afternoon Sunday, NBC Sunday Night Football, Monday Night Football. If he's on there, I'm going to watch. Like, I'm, I'm going to try to watch all NFL, but, you know, he gets me more interested if it's him because he's a really phenomenal player. But, you know, the fact that he contemplated retirement kind of tells me that he's not all the way in, even though he said in his press conference that he's coming back and he's all in. But I don't know. There's just a lot of weirdness there. We'll see how it goes. He lobbied to get Randall Cobb back to the Packers, which, I mean, Randall Cobb's a good receiver, but he's not somebody that you go break the bank for. I mean, geez. So uh, that satisfies Aaron's needs, I guess. So that's a, a step forward, I guess, from that organization in terms of pleasing Aaron. But it's kind of like, man, you kind of need help elsewhere. You know, how about the offensive line? Like, fix that. Um, I know that needs some work. Um, they could use some players on the defensive side because we all know how Tom Brady burned them in the first half of the NFC Championship game last year where they ended up trailing pretty bad. So they could have used help there. But uh, I don't know. It, again, Green Bay is going to be an interesting team to watch all season, you know, in terms of, like, coaching decisions, you know, another wrong coaching decision, like the one um, – What's his name, mate? The the head coach that that he made in the NFC Championship game, as opposed to letting Aaron go for it on fourth down, and they just decided to kick the field goal. Like, if there's another one of those blunders, like, is Aaron gonna like 
show frustration or, you know, put his head down and put a towel over his head, a la Cam Newton, you know, when, you know, he just wants to isolate himself from everybody? Or, you know, is is he going to go all out? Like, I, he's the reigning MVP, folks, of the league. So that's going to be a fun storyline to watch all season. But in the grand scheme of things, I'm so glad Aaron Rodgers is back. That's just good business for the NFL. It's good for television ratings. And uh, we'll, I, I still think, uh, you know, the Los Angeles Rams are kind of wait and see because everybody's already like, yeah, Matthew Stafford's just going to be this incredible thing. But we don't know yet. We don't know until we've seen some games played. They're going to have an incredible team, but they're also going to be in an incredible division of, like, again, the best and hardest division in all of football. You got the 49ers with Trey Lance waiting in the wings. You know, the the Seahawks are always going to contend with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll at the helm. And then the Cardinals, you know, they're a little bit of a wild card, but they can be a threat when they want to be with Kyler Murray. So, um, We'll see what happens there. J.J. Watts there, part of the Cardinals. So, you know, the L.A. Rams, they're going to be, uh, they're going to be in the playoffs for sure. I most probably, but to say like, oh yeah, they're the biggest threat to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which the Tampa Bay Buccaneers should be the favorites to get back to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. They brought everybody back. And I'm not, that's not me being a homer or anything like that, but like, it's very rare. At least in the NFL, when you can bring back the entire crew. I mean, even the Patriots during their dynasty rotated players in and out. Like Tom Brady, if you look at those Super Bowls uh, that he won with New England, and outside of like Gronk and Julian Edelman, it was a bunch of different players like throughout those uh, championship runs. So even they like didn't have all the players come back. But here, everybody that was on that Super Bowl winning team, that that roster, they're all back. And now that they have an official offseason, and again, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I'm going to say this out, out, outright, like they were not the best version that they could have been. It was Tom Brady's first year learning the new system, even though he is the system, but it was him getting used to all the players and, and, and their likes and dislikes and, you know, them, the players adjusting to him, the coaches adjusting to him, Brady adjusting to these coaches, you know, they were not in sync, like, it wasn't until they got their asses handed to them by Kansas City in, uh, I believe it was like right before Thanksgiving. Like, it wasn't until then where things started to click. And even then, like during the playoffs, like they were kind of just like, all right, like they generally got better. And then by the time they hit the Super Bowl, that's when they like, oh shit, like they're, they're good. Like they're finding like what they're supposed to be. The defense was ferocious and all over the place. You know, Brady was, Connecting with Brown and Evans and Godwin and Gronk and, and Scotty Miller. And, you know, now they're going to add OJ Howard back into the mix. He had, I believe he tore his Achilles or something like that in the, in the regular season. And he wasn't available to be part of that tight end group. And, you know, you got Cameron Braid and, and Gronk coming back too. So now you got three scary tight ends and they added Giovanni Bernard to the running back core, you know, with Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. Like, holy shit. Like, the Buccaneers, like, th- this just doesn't happen. And that just goes to show you, like, you know, the the leadership in that team with the coaches and the ownership and all that stuff. But, of course, like, the core nucleus of all of it is Tom Brady. Like, why do you want to leave that? Like, yes, you could go make more money, but, hey, man, you know, you can chase the money all you want. But in the end, what's it all about? Like, winning Super Bowls. And that's what that team's all about right now is they want to – 
they they don't want to just like be good or be content. Like Brady's not content with just you know he's probably still pissed off that he doesn't have like two more Super Bowls, you know, or three. He's lost three Super Bowls. I'm sure he's pissed that he's he's never you know gotten rid of those losses. So he's just going to continue to win. He just finds different ways to motivate himself. And that's the one of the absolute reasons why I love this guy. So, yes, they are the favorites in the NFC right now. So their biggest threat, if not the Los Angeles Rams, if they turn out to be everything that they're supposed to be, could it be the Green Bay Packers? Will Rodgers and company, will that be enough? You know, because I don't think last, last year the NFC Championship game was in, in Lambeau Field. This time, if they were to meet up again, it's going to be in Tampa Bay. Like, I, I highly believe that they'll be the number one seed and they'll have their division and the conference locked up early. So I was thinking about the undefeated season for a little bit and, and I'll, I'll continue to ponder that before we get to the start of the season and I'll make my predictions then. But I'm thinking like, man, if they have everything wrapped up early, they could start resting players. They could like, you know, lose a game or two here if it doesn't matter. So, because again, it's going to be a longer season because there's going to be another regular season game. So, and not to mention the way the playoffs are now, like only one team gets the bye. So they might have everything wrapped up by then, but who knows? You know, this is a Tom Brady led team. So he, he's always pedaled to the metal. You know, he doesn't like getting pulled out of games, you know, even though it's not, not going to be his choice now. Bruce Arians wants to take him out late in games when they have things wrapped up, they'll pull him out. But, Brady's always been the type of guy to play every snap to the end, whether they're up 42 to three or whether it's 2017. Like he's going to play every snap because, you know, he, that's just the way he's built. That's the way he's wired. That's why he is a seven time Super Bowl champion. And again, the reason I'm gloating right now about the Bucks is because they should be the favorites right now. Like again, not me being a homer that just based on all the factors and the way they embarrassed like Kansas City. Which is supposed to be the, they were supposed to be the next dynasty, right? Like, it's funny how that is, right? Like, the Seattle Seahawks were supposed to be the next dynasty, and then here comes Tom Brady, and they beat him in the Super Bowl. It, it's amazing how many dynasties that Tom Brady has stopped himself, and then he can, he goes on and makes another one. But what's amazing here is that he's doing it with a whole other team. So his legend and his, uh, aura just continues to grow. So again, Aaron Rodgers, and the Packers, they have a tough hill to climb, but will they be the top of their division? Probably. Will they get into the playoffs? Probably. But uh, is him coming back and them adding like a Randall Cobb going to be enough to beat the Buccaneers? I don't know. Luck plays into it. You know, you got to make sure you're all healthy going into like the latter part of the season. All these different factors have to come in. It's not like, it's not easy. That's why like, you know, you see Tom Brady with seven championships and you act like it's people think it's super easy. So people think like, and this is why I hate crowning because it's, it's, it's not easy, especially in the NFL, but people were already saying like Patrick Mahomes is going to win all these rings as if it's a foregone conclusion, as if it's so easy and look what happened in this past Super Bowl. And it's like, and it's like people don't learn. They're still like, oh yeah, he's going to win like five, six more Super Bowls. Like, Shit, he might not even get back to whenever. You don't know. And either Brady might not either, but you know, he's he has the resume to back up like, hey, like he it is possible he could show back up again. Like it's amazing to me, and it's his forty forty fourth birthday today, so happy birthday to the GOAT Tom Brady. Just FYI. I'll tag you just in case you, you listen to this. Probably not, but still gonna give my shout out. This is your biggest fan here in San Antonio, Texas. Um 
you know, Tom Brady has won more Super Bowls in the latter part of his career than in the early part. That's not how it's supposed to be, folks. Like, usually, like, you dwindle down. Like, yes, is he, does he need more support in terms of, like, not carrying the whole thing by himself? Like, you look at Super Bowl 51, right? And that was probably, like, the last of his, like, oh, I'm at peak Brady, like, in his career. Like, this is, like, he's, like, the absolute best, best. In terms of best player, like, he's the best, like, ever GOAT. But I mean, like, best player in terms of, like, skill and all that stuff. Like, you look at what he did in Super Bowl 51. And, yeah, he had Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola. But those weren't world-class, like, wide receivers. And, you know, the defense was good, but also, like, not, like, a a Seattle's Legion of Boom or, you know, Pittsburgh, the Baltimore's. That Super Bowl, that comeback was all Tom Brady. Like, could he have done that, like, uh, with this Buccaneers team? Like, let's say that defensive team was not like as strong and you know he didn't have as many weapons as he does in in Tampa maybe more Scotty Miller type guys and he doesn't have a Mike Evans or a Chris Godwin or even an AB like I don't know I don't think he could do it so that's why I say he probably needs more support and he's got it all in Tampa that's not his fault that's just great general managing by by that uh by uh, oh God, I forgot his name, but he's doing a tremendous job with the cap and bringing in players and helping players stay and Tom convincing people to stay and whatnot. So, yeah, like it's different for Brady now, but you know, again, more Super Bowls now in the latter part of his career as opposed to the early part when he's young and fresh and probably should have had more. But it, it's amazing, and it, I can't wait for this season. Let's see what he's got. His year like twenty one, like. I know we're more at the end of his career, but man, like I'm going to relish every second of it. Like ever since Super Bowl 51, to me that solidified him as the greatest of all time. Everything since then has been just like icing on the cake, right? He leaves the Patriots. I'm still a Patriots diehard fan. I'm still rooting for them this year. They're going to do incredible things, I hope. You know, Cam Newton, I'm going to give him another chance, but Mac Jones is there in the wings. I'm expecting big things from them with defensive players coming back. You know, a lot of them sat out due to COVID and not wanting to play, but they're going to be back. Bill Belichick spent a lot of money in free agency with tight ends and receivers and, you know, running backs. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be incredible. But what was the, the biggest icing for me was that Tom Brady could have gone to any team that he wanted. And he chose the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is my team in the NFC. Like it worked out for me perfectly. Like Tommy Boy knew, he's like, I'm gonna make Palace happy. I'm like, I'm gonna continue. We're gonna continue our run here because I'm also a seven-time champ. Screw you, haters. I'm gonna go to Tampa, and that just like, wow. Like, could there have been a more perfect spot in terms of my fandom? Because I've also been a fan of the Buccaneers since I was a youngin. Uh, I have relatives that could test attest to that. So for those of you like, oh, he bandwagon. He's a Brady guy. He's not a Patriot guy. No, I'm a Patriot guy still. But I'm also a Tom Brady guy. But Tom Brady ended up going to the one team that I follow in the NFC. And that's incredible. Like, it just worked out for me perfectly. This is I'm going to have a nice football fan career that I can talk to my grandchildren about one day and talk about, like, man, I lived in the greatest era of football ever with the greatest player ever in Tom Brady. So, again, I'm going to enjoy the ride. 
But again, I've got, sorry, I went on this little Tom Brady tangent here, but it's his birthday. He deserves it. But yes, they should be the favorites coming out of the NFC and uh, we'll see what happens. So yeah, that's Aaron Rodgers uh, coming back. Good stuff. Let's let's move on to the next topic. And we're actually going to stick here with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because this pertains to the team that they're going to play uh, in the first game of the season on Thursday, uh, the opening the opening night, and that's going to be the Dallas Cowboys. Um, everybody knows who follows me on social media. I like to troll their fan. Their fan base is the best to mess with because they always fall for the bait. And not to mention they're the most annoying fandom. No, I, I and don't get me wrong. I got friends that are Cowboys fans, and they're like they're really good fans, and, and they know like the realness, the reality of their team. So I can have those conversations with those people, but there's a lot of them out there that are also like just annoying as shit. And they just think every year is their year. And then when things spiral out of control, they blame it on everything else but themselves. So yes, they're one of the worst fandoms in all of sports. So, and I love trolling them every single uh, day when I can, but a little bit of uh, interesting news here with Dak Prescott, who's got an injured shoulder right now. And he's coming off an ankle that got like demolished last season, which really, really awful bad injury, uh, like leg hanging out. And you, you hate to see stuff like that. I hate to see stuff like that. I never wish any injury on anybody. And I know there's some people out there that think like, oh, I bet he, he was happy that Patrick Mahomes is hurt. Like, no, I want Patrick Mahomes at 100%. If you can't beat the supposed like new greatest player of the moment at their very best, like then, you know, Where's the challenge? So, you know, you think I'm afraid as a fan, like, that, you know, Patrick Mahomes is, is uh, you know, at full capacity, full percent. Like, hell no, bring it, bring it. I'm all about the challenge as a fan. Like, I want to beat the best at their best. But, you know, the Super Bowl played out how it did. You know, uh, Patrick Mahomes was dealing with a turf toe injury. But guess what, folks? So was Tom Brady. I hate to circle it back to him, but he was also injured, too. And I'm sure the Buccaneers are going to get in trouble for this, but he, he had a bad MCL like throughout the whole year. He needed surgery right after the Super Bowl. That's how bad it was. Um, he actually probably could have gotten it sooner, but that would have meant he would have missed the season. But I don't know how the Bucks got away with that or not reporting it, but that's another story for another time. And I'm sure we're going to come back to it, and I will address it whenever the NFL does come down on them. I know they're not happy about it. But, again, injuries... You know, you hate to see them happen, and it happened to Dak last year, and that was, you know, the Cowboys were already, like, on a weird path, you know, even with Dak Prescott. Like, people were like, oh, well, because Dak Prescott wasn't there, that means, like, you know, of course our season was bad. Well, no, you guys were actually losing games with him last season. You were trailing from behind, having to play catch-up. Yes, Dak had all these amazing stats, and you could throw them at me all day, but a lot of it was in garbage time, folks. So when people throw stats at me, Sometimes as a to make their case for why like their player is so great, like you gotta you gotta look at it in full context. And a lot of it wasn't garbage time, folks. Like don't shy away from that. Don't be a biased mark when it comes to your team. So um but yeah, Dak's dealing with an injured shoulder right now. And um Colin Coward brought this up, like, you know, he's coming off that ankle injury, right? So I'm sure he's trying to alleviate pressure off of that and putting more of his motion into his upper body and his shoulder and his throwing arm. So you, you got to believe, right? He's probably throwing more than he's like scrambling and running around. 
So yeah, you got to figure like there's more pressure, more weight, more attention to like that side of your body because you don't want to fully like put pressure on the leg that you're coming off of injury from. So yeah, it's dealing with that. So um, I know we're about a little over a month away from the first uh, official game, and that's going to be in Tampa opening night. So and it's Cowboys Buccaneers. So how is Dak going to be on opening night? Like, will he be ready to go? Most probably yes, but I will give Cowboys fans a pass here. You know, if they end up getting like destroyed or whatnot, and I'm not, you know, I would have predicted that regardless because it's the Buccaneers and it's Tom Brady and it's Banner Night and Tampa. It's going to be fucking insane in that stadium when they raise up that banner. Um, I mean, I, I think the Buccaneers were going to win regardless, but if it ends up being like a slaughterhouse and let's say Dak's not fully healthy or maybe they don't even start him you know this this is a really big prime time game and you know i've had cowboys fans go oh it's not fair they gotta play them the first game of the season dude this is the fucking nfl where the big boys play if you can't play the tampa bay buccaneers on opening night what makes you think you can play them in the playoffs when by that time they may be even better than they are at the start of the season because remember the start of opening season like all of September is usually like an extended preseason because you really don't find out what your team is like until like the middle of, middle of October or even then, not until like Thanksgiving where we really start to see the contenders. So wouldn't this be ideal for you, Cowboys fans, for you to want to play this team right at the start of the season as opposed to later on, you know, if you had to meet them down like in a, in a playoff game? I'd rather take my chances now. And if you're a real strong fan like you say you are, you will embrace the challenge. Like, hell yeah. Bring on the Super Bowl champions. It's the Cowboys. We're America's team. Let's accept this challenge. Instead of ducking and being like a crybaby mark. Like, oh, this isn't fair. Like, making excuses like you always do. Instead of just embracing the challenge. Come on. Grow a set. (laughs) But yes, uh, that'll be something to monitor, Dak Prescott shoulder injury right now so we're gonna see how that goes which means he's probably not gonna play any preseason games or maybe he will i don't know but if he doesn't let's say he doesn't and we start the regular season like how rusty is he gonna be he's almost like gonna be like a almost a full year since he hasn't played and you know rust is a real thing in the nfl if you haven't played for a while so um that's gonna be interesting to monitor uh we'll keep tabs on that as we get closer to opening day opening night and uh that, that'll be interesting um the cowboys do play this weekend or not this weekend this thursday in the hall of fame game against the pittsburgh steelers so finally some nfl football on my television set um that'll be interesting to see i will definitely be watching uh i know we're not gonna see Dak prescott for sure but <laughs> i need some nfl in my veins already like let's get it going like if the season could start tomorrow please like Give it to me. So, yes, even if it's Cowboys, even if it's the Steelers, I will be watching Thursday the Hall of Fame game. Whoever wins, who cares? Like, we're probably going to see a lot of third stringers play. Like, there's only, like, three preseason games this year. So, again, it's a longer season now with uh, 17 games. So, yeah, it, it's we're going to see, like, a lot of the backups be playing here. Maybe maybe we'll see some standouts. So that's another reason to tune into these games. We'll, let's see who steps up to the plate and then Hard Knocks is going to be starting to. A lot of Cowboys are going to be on our television screens. And you know me, I show no bias, even though people claim to be that I'm a hater and all that. But I'm going to be watching 
the little Hard Knocks television show as I do every year. And even though it's going to be focusing on the Dallas Cowboys, like that's now we got a storyline in there, right? With Dak, like what's going on? Like we're going to be able to see like small details, but but one of the reasons why I love Hard Knocks is to watch these like these players like that are trying to make the roster and they're scrapping, they're clawing, and like they're working really hard. And then when they don't make the team, it's like super devastating. Like it's really it's really hard to see, but also like I mean. I hate to say it, but it's good television. So uh, I, I like to watch it for those stories, those guys, the, the the guys that are scrapping to try to make the roster. And we'll see how much of, you know, the Cowboys are more of a theatrics-type team. So let's see how much focus they put into that. I know they do a good job with the other teams uh, in focusing on that stuff. Uh, maybe not so much last season. Last season was more about, like, how is the NFL going to handle everything with this pandemic going on and, new procedures in places and in place and you know testing and multiple testing getting done before you can even hit the practice field and all these different protocols like so that was an interesting aspect of it uh i'm over that stuff um and as far as i know even with this delta variant thing surging i think the nfl is still intending for full stadiums uh this upcoming season so this is going to be like it was a real season last season but it'll feel like the real thing again like just like wrestling was missing its fans, so is football, and it's going to make a huge difference uh, when we start the regular season. But, yeah, Cowboys on Hard Knocks, I will be watching that. Um, the other big story that happened, and I'm kind of bummed about this because I was expecting huge things and a, and a pretty interesting comeback. For one, Carson Wentz, the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts, who has elected to have foot surgery. So he's going to be out about 5 to 12 weeks. Yikes. If we pencil that in now, let's say it's three months, you're looking at August, September, October, November. We're looking at him possibly returning, you know, sometime in November. Could be after Thanksgiving. And that division in the AFC South is interesting. You know, you got the Titans, you got the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence and Tim Tebow. All, you know, the Titans are, are still somewhat formidable. I don't know how, by how much they added Julio Jones, but we'll see how that ends up going. Um, the Texans, I think, are a dumpster fire. Deshaun Watson, no news on him, right, ever since. Like, it's so quiet on that. Uh, I know he showed up to a couple of practices and whatnot, but nothing out of him. And I'm not expecting anything out of the Texans. So you're looking at the Titans and the Jaguars. The Jaguars will be an interesting story. It'll be fun to follow to see how Trevor Lawrence does. The the first number one pick in the draft. Tim Tebow back in the mix. Tebow mania. It'll get coverage strictly because of that. Again, Titans formidable. Where does that leave the Colts? The Colts were a really strong team last year that actually made it into the playoffs. And, you know, they're they're heading in the right direction. They got the they got the right coach. They got the right GM. And I think, you know, they they tried last year with Phillip Rivers, but they weren't gonna go far because Rivers was already like, I'm done with Phillip Rivers. Like I was done with that guy. And I didn't think he was gonna get them far enough and they didn't. They got eliminated in the playoffs quickly. But with Carson Wentz getting into the mix, I was like, oh, man, he's going to get reunited with Frank Reich. And, you know, he had his best almost MVP season a couple of years ago with that guy as his, you know, coordinator. And, you know, I was going to expect some good things from Carson Wentz here. Everybody was already counting him out because of what had happened with Philadelphia. But as we all know, Philadelphia is a very incompetent organization right now. Um, so a lot of it I'm not going to place on Carson Wentz, even though he was playing pretty poorly. But... I think he was going to make a pretty good comeback here and it was going to make Indianapolis into a really 
credible threat in the AFC. So it sucks that he's going to be out. Again, I hate it when star quarterbacks are out in the league. Um, you know, everything's box office, everything's ratings, and, you know, the Colts kind of like lose track a little bit with him, like not being the quarterback and how they're going to do so. They may still end up being second in their division or third, depending on how the Jaguars do, but it's not looking good for the Colts right now. But they could surprise, who knows? And then Carson Wentz come back into the mix in November, and who knows? But as of right now, it doesn't look good, but he'll be out five to 12 weeks. So that's going to be, uh, bummer for indie fans alex espinosa know you're a huge colts fan has got to be a big blow to you so sucks for you buddy i was looking forward to this colts were are on the right track and they still are but it may not happen this season um that's pretty much all the nfl news going on right now if i miss something i'm sorry but these are the stories that i really wanted to cover uh since the last time i talked football aaron Rodgers being the major story again dak prescott is injured right now carson wentz is injured like the curse of the NFC East, right? Um, just kidding, not a curse. Um, yeah, football back on on Thursday, Hall of Fame game, and then the Hall of Fame. I think it, is it this weekend? I guess um, Peyton Manning's going in. I'll watch that. I mean, you know, I like to give shit to Peyton Manning, mostly in terms of the of the Brady Manning rivalry because I'm such a Brady Mark. Yes, I'm a Mark for Tom Brady. I'm not afraid to admit that. But I still know Peyton Manning's contribution to the NFL, one of the greatest, you know, players ever. Um, not the greatest. Again, there's my, there's my marking out for Tom Brady there. Never the, he won't ever be the greatest. But I do enjoy Peyton Manning as a personality. He's funny. You know, I've seen a couple of his episodes of his show on ESPN Plus, especially the one we, he did with Tom Brady. They're a good tandem, but you know, that rivalry will always exist between them. And, uh, you know, he's, he's always going out of his way to, to throw jabs at Brady when he can. So believe me when I tell you, I'll always, I'll always defend Tommy. I'll defend him. Don't worry, Tommy boy. I'll get paid for you. Two rings. <laughs> and they want to call him the greatest, whatever. Um, but yeah, Peyton Manning goes into the Hall of Fame this weekend. So does John Lynch, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Uh, it's going to be a good Hall of Fame ceremony this weekend. So that'll be a fun watch. Again, football's right around the corner. Again, open invitation to anybody that wants to be the co-host of, of the football show that I'm going to do. I'm still planning to do it. It's going to be entirely separate from my main show, and it'll focus entirely on football. And, um, yeah, just shoot me, a, shoot me a message. Get in my DMs. For those of you uh, that use that terminology, I try not to use that terminology. I'm old as shit. Um, but, yeah, get in those DMs or message me, text me, call me, whatever. Uh, that's going to do it for this portion of the show. We still got a lot more to go. Uh, the final main event of the show, or this is a co-main event, right? A lot of NFL stuff that I just covered, but coming up next, wrestling news, a lot of more news coming out since I last talked to y'all, uh, and CM Punk, not even the biggest story. So that's still to come. This is palace off the top rope. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the show, and as I mentioned earlier at the beginning, momentum is a real thing, especially in wrestling, and we're seeing it right before our very eyes. Um, That promo you just heard is for the new AEW television show that is going to debut on August 13th. Uh, It'll be airing after SmackDown on Fridays. It's going to be a one-hour show, so it won't be overkill, but... AEW now, with almost three years in existence, is finally ready ready to have a second show because they have a lot of good talent that they need to start. Some of them is, needs to start getting showcased a bit more, and having this second show is going to help, especially also when you got on the wings, and this is all but confirmed, CM Punk is going to be debuting in All Elite Wrestling, and that is going to be a huge difference maker, and I'll tell you this, and I'll tell you why. I mentioned before about that uh, show they're going to have in Chicago that's going to be at the United Center. And it pre-sold as a Friday around 12,000 tickets. And that's without mentioning CM Punk's name. This is always like teases and Easter eggs. Nothing like on a poster or anything like that. And not only that, but just AEW is just putting on a very good product overall so they have a lot of goodwill already built with their fan base that just goes to show you how much wwe has done the complete opposite in turning off their fan base including me like i still watch it but it's almost to the point where it's a chore now and not something that like i look forward to i look forward to certain wrestlers on those shows like a john cena or a returning sasha banks like she did on smackdown this past friday or whenever Becky Lynch returns. Like, I will be invested in that. But in terms of an overall product and presentation, like, WWE has fallen way off the cliff. And they're now at a point where, like, when you used to watch, like, late WCW, it's not as, like, as bad as bad as that was, like, towards the end of its run. But it's pretty close. And sometimes, like, I'm watching these WWE shows and it's like, what? Like, why do I even bother? Why do I even try to care? None of this makes sense. And I know it's professional wrestling. It's silly and all that. But you look at what All Elite Wrestling is doing and they have silly stuff too. Don't get me wrong. But at least everything is coherent. Like, you know what's going on. You know who you're supposed to be rooting for. You know who, uh, when somebody has like, momentum like an adam hangman page like they build off that they go off what crowds are reacting to and um now that they're gonna add cm punk i mean it's all but confirmed but it's it's like 99 percent gonna happen and then there's still like news of brian danielson that may debut again that one has kind of quieted on that front but that one's probably most likely gonna happen too aw's got all the momentum right now and uh, they may have another free agent in their midst or in their grasp. What am I saying? Um, 
Adam Cole, who is the star of NXT and has been for the last four years. Amazing talent, awesome on the mic, incredible wrestler, was the head of one of the most amazing factions that we had seen in WWE in a very long time and one that they kept together for a very long time up until, I think, finally this year they broke up. Adam Cole, his contract is set to expire after SummerSlam. So actually, his contract ended in July, but out of goodwill and character, Adam Cole's a very nice guy from what I read on the internet, and I know can't always believe the internet, but everybody always says good things about Adam Cole. There's like no drama or anything like that. So I believe it when people say like he's a nice guy. So I think they asked him to work through SummerSlam, which he said, okay, cool. So he signed a little bit of an extension, but it's up after SummerSlam, and there's been like reports of like oh where, where is he gonna go is he gonna go to aew is he gonna resign with wwe you know it, it's pretty much in his hands right now like he has all the leverage right now and if there was no aew this wouldn't be the case he would just resign and that's that but the landscape is different now like the fact that aew exists now from an economic standpoint in terms of like wrestlers choices it's a very good thing like cody Rhodes had a call today, an investor's call or some some media call, and he said, like, man, this is just we're at a good point in the business where we're able to feed a lot more mouths. And that's a good thing, right? Like, shouldn't the wrestlers have a little bit of uh, a choice in, in their fate and what they want to do with their career? So that's the big question. What's going to happen with Adam Cole? He could easily resign with WWE. I think he's been treated pretty good. In terms of his booking, do I wish he would be on the main roster? I think he would excel because he's got the mic skills and he's got the the in-ring talent. But I, I know how a Vince McMahon thinks. He is a, of smaller stature. But I do want to defend one thing. So when they took NXT serious uh, a couple of years back, I think they brought him in for the Survivor Series and they did the Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT. They brought him on to the main shows and had him wrestle guys like Daniel Bryan and win. You know, he was winning matchups on the main roster, so they like they booked him correctly. Like so if he were to sign, re-sign with WWE, I think he would be kind of protected by like a Triple H and a Shawn Michaels who like very much they like him and Adam Cole likes them a lot. Like especially Shawn Michaels, I've listened to this on Observer Radio Brian Alvarez mentions how uh Adam Cole is like a huge fan of Shawn Michaels. I think if he were to sign with WWE, and this is what I would do. Like, I would, me being Shawn Michaels, and I don't know what it is about Shawn Michaels, but Vince McMahon never does anything to that guy. He doesn't mess with him. He's messed with everybody else. He's messed with, you know, Austin, and I'm sure Rock back in the day, you know, some, like, weird jobs and, and whatnot and losing to certain people. But the one person he's never really messed with is Shawn Michaels. Now, if I were Triple H, and this is, again, if Adam Cole, if we're trying to get him to sign to WWE, I would give him a, a max contract, pay him whatever money you want to pay him, and WWE has the money, so all this bullshit, and we'll get to all of it right now, about them not having money, and, you know, they're making, you know, they just had their investors call uh, a couple days ago, and they're making, like, record profits, like, with these TV deals that they have with Fox and NBC, like, it, they're just rolling in the bank right now. So to say that they don't have the money to pay their top talent, 
And I think Adam Cole could be a top talent. I mean, he certainly isn't NXT, but that's not how WWE views NXT. Like, they don't view it as a high property, at least anymore. But if I'm trying to re-sign Adam Cole, like, you really don't want this guy to get away. He's still kind of young, like, in his prime. Like, you want to keep that and build off that. So if I'm Triple H, I'm in Shawn Michaels' ear, man. Like, I know, I'm sure Vince likes... Shawn Michaels more than Triple H, even though Triple H is the son-in-law and he has probably more creative or influence or power, but there's something about Shawn Michaels that Vince McMahon just will not mess with. So if I'm Triple H, I'm like, look, man, let's, let's get Adam in a room. Let's get Vince in a room. Let's have Shawn there. Also, Adam, we're going to sign you. We're going to re-sign you to this max deal. You know, there's no, outs about it we're not gonna like you know cut you out of the deal like the way they've done in the past with like you know i think the good brothers is an example of this where they signed like this huge contract and they got let go anyways same thing with like braun Strowman. um say you're gonna resign him pay him all this money you're gonna give him this big push into the main roster but this is where this is where i would have a side conversation with Shawn michaels if i were triple h before we get into that meeting i'd be like hey dude like you got to get him into his ear and let him know like Adam Cole's like this just hot commodity that you got to run with and you really got to make him something. And not like that you need to – not that he needs convincing because we know how good Adam Cole is. But if Shawn Michaels can get in Vince's ear and like let him know like, hey, like this is like – this is a younger me. Like, you know, you have AJ Styles, but he's already like at the end of his career. You got this Adam Cole kid. Like this is your Shawn Michaels right here. You could really make him something. Then I think Adam Cole has a chance to re-sign with WWE. But that's a whole big what if, right? Because we've seen how WWE has treated NXT stars since they've been called up, like post that little NXT run. Because that was at the height of when NXT was like, it was a big deal to come out of there and come into the main roster. But like, you've seen guys like Keith Lee and Riddle and, you know, all these other people that they've kind of like turned into like jokes and they're just like, even right now, carrying across the NXT champion. Who's being presented on NXT as this like monster? This guy, this is unbeatable, and like he's he's running through everybody. But on Monday Night Raw, he's just a guy, gets pinned. Like matches aren't really hyped up. He's just there. Like I, I don't know what's going on there, and I know like there was like supposed to be a message sent uh, to the NXT roster by doing that to Karrion Cross, but it's like. Why are you trying to undermine, like, your developmental talent? Like, the the NXT brand, those are, like, your next future stars. Like, why are you doing that? Like, why are you sabotaging? Why are you acting as if AEW doesn't exist when they do? Because I t- I'm telling you, if you keep pissing off the talent like this, these people are not going to want to resign. And they're going to want to quietly let their deals run out. And then they'll go to higher waters. You know, it may not be as rich, but they'll have an opportunity to do what they love under people that will give them that chance and that's what's happening in aew like we've seen it happen already we saw it with dean ambrose transformed into john moxley look what he's done um cm punk and and brian danielson are about to head over there and they did amazing stuff in wwe and that was still with them like not at their i think their absolute fullest potential and now they'll have that opportunity in aew um so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Adam Cole here. So I'm keeping up on the news with this. Um, this got leaked, I believe, over the weekend. I forgot when, but I was like, whoa. 
Adam Cole's contract is about to expire. And I had just been wondering about that guy. Like, I was like, man, when is his contract up? Because they're really doing nothing with him in NXT anymore. Even though they're still presenting him as this, like, top star. He gets the big wins and all that. But, you know, there's only so much you can do on NXT. Again, I know that Triple H has wanted to promote it as a third brand. But now it's just like you got to get back to being what it is. Develop these young stars and then get them ready for the main roster. But, again, we see how... Vince and creative are are just stifling everything and if it's just to stick it to Triple H because he was trying to make this brand bigger like well then that's that's a shitty way to do business and it's okay to call out Vince McMahon and say like hey man like you kind of like you don't have it anymore it's okay like it happens to everybody at some point right like father time catches up with all of us like you know there's going to be a point where you know Steven Spielberg doesn't make as strong as films you know in sports like you know, we saw it with Jordan. We saw it with Peyton Manning. I mean, it remains to be seen with Tom Brady, but uh, he's kind of been like the only anomaly in that. But at some point, everybody's like running in their perspective, like business. Like they come to a, a point where they're not the best at it anymore. And Vince McMahon has brought us a lot of great memories with wrestling. He's brought us so many tremendous things. WrestleMania is this amazing global event now and he's a huge part of why that exists you know the whole wrestling landscape i know there's a lot of other stuff out there but he's the one that has kept it in the mainstream for so long and why people know about it in in their consciousness you think wrestling what do you think wwe um but it's okay to admit like he doesn't have it anymore like you watch the television shows and like it's just bad booking decisions and bad creative like you know, gosh, it's like it's all over their TV shows. Like, you don't need to really bash the guy. You just watch the shows and they speak for themselves. And it's like, whoa, like, what the hell is going on back there? So Adam Cole, free agent coming up. We'll see what happens. I think he's supposed to wrestle at this takeover show with Kyle O'Reilly. It's supposed to be the third in their trilogy. I think he wanted to stay to finish up that program and give like the... Uh, the rub to his friend and by rub we mean that arresting like you know give him like the win and have them have it propel them right so he wants to do that on his way out and you know the the sky's the limit for adam cole if he resigns with wwe that's on him and again i i think he's got the protection of triple h and Shawn michaels but it's it's gonna be vince mcmahon that he's gonna have to overcome and if he decides to resign with them like that's good for him, right? As Britt Baker said, if he comes to AEW, cool, but I want him to be happy. If, if being there in WWE makes him happy in the spot that he's in in NXT or, or whatever, like, you know, that's fine. But then you can never – he can't complain, right, because we're seeing the evidence for ourselves, right, of how stuff is presented on the main roster when NXT stars get put on there. Can't complain about that, and I won't feel bad for him. Will I still watch him? Yes, because it's Adam Cole, baby. Love that guy. Um, but what I love – would I love to see him in AEW? Oh, hell yeah. With all that momentum, that like tornado that, that uh, that's right now called AEW, and it's just spiraling all over all over the world, and it's just growing bigger and bigger and bigger. They got that second show coming. CM Punk on the wings. Brian Danielson. His girlfriend's the freaking world champ. Women's world champ over there. If I'm him, I know I know my decision, but... You know, he's got to do what makes him happy, too. So going to be interesting. We'll see what happens after TakeOver, which is coming August 22nd. So we'll see what happens then. Some other 
sad, just depressing news this whole weekend, uh, wrestling wise. Not not anybody passing or anything like that, but just like you know, more firings, more releases. Uh, the big one was on Saturday, and that is Bray Wyatt has been released from WWE. And you're like, what? The Fiend? The guy who had like this huge like marketing machine behind him, like this push. You know, I have a lot of friends who liked The Fiend and liked all the merchandise and heard he was a big merchandise seller. So this one's kind of, it kind of had me Saturday. I was like, I didn't feel bad because like, I mean, for me personally, I, I never really got it with Bray Wyatt, all iterations of him, you know, the, the creepy cult leader, swamp cult leader when he had Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. And then this latest iteration of the fiend, like the Firefly Firefly Funhouse stuff, was was interesting and funny at points. Um, the stuff he did with John Cena in their lead up to their WrestleMania match, WrestleMania thirty six, that stuff was fun and cool. But like whenever the fiend, the mask and stuff, the presentation looked cool. His theme song was cool, but whenever he got into the ring, it was kind of like just like eh, whatever. He would wrestle in the red light. Like a lot of that stuff turned me off. It was like. Kind of early 1997 Kane where it's like slow and, you know, you don't really know what's going on in the ring because it's all red. So I never really got it with Bray Wyatt. But from a business standpoint, I was like, oh, this is good. Like he, you know, he has his merch, you know, it's got all these little like puppets that have been created into little fun characters you can like laugh and, you know, talk shit about or, you know, whatever. He he brought a lot of good merchandise. I mean, I don't know what his exact numbers are, but... I know that stuff was selling like crazy whenever I would see, like he had a custom made like fiend belt and I think that sold pretty well. And it was like, that wasn't a cheap thing to get on, on shop zone. Like it was a, it was, it was pretty expensive and and he did pretty well. So when I saw that this weekend, I was like, well, well that's weird. And then you find out the reason why he was let go is they said budget reasons, like budget cuts. Like what the fuck are you talking about? Like your investor call, was just a few days ago and y'all are talking about all this revenue that you're doing house house shows and ticket sales with fans back in attendance is that's at an all-time high that it's been since even before the pandemic like you're doing amazing numbers your tv deals are so strong and and, and whatnot and and you're saying budget cuts like to this talent like man the incompetence of of, of this company man like let me harp back to the, the adam cole thing one thing that i didn't forgot to mention and it's a hilarious thing like there was top executives that didn't even know adam cole's contract was set to expire like how do you let a talent like adam cole like how do you not know when his contract is up like that just goes to show you like nobody's paying attention over there nobody knows what's going on i talked about this with my buddy uh, through text where it's like man i would love a aaron sorkin adam mckay type style movie on the behind-the-scenes shenanigans going on in WWE, where like nobody knows anything that's going on from storyline standpoints and you know talent contracts to whatever, like it, it looks like a real shit show right now behind the scenes. And I'm not a fan of this Nick Khan guy who's like doing all these things with this company, especially with all this talent that they're releasing. They really shouldn't have to be releasing anybody, you know. If anything. AEW is still not a is not a profitable like company, right? Like they're still like in that startup stage. And they've been signing people left and right, and they're the ones that you would have thought like, okay, wow, this pandemic's hitting really hard. Like they're going to be letting go wrestlers. They haven't let go of anybody. 
aside from like you know the the weird ones that got into like sexual allegations and stuff like that or whatever but that's like a whole other topic they let go of those people but other than that they've kept everybody and they're continuing to grow their roster and they were trying you know they've been trying to build on this television show and their stories and they're going up wwe's like whoo john tina's right now it's saving the day with ticket sales and you know he's helping boost uh you know house shows and and raws and you know he's doing he's the primary focus on smackdown because that's the guy who he's gonna face roman reigns he's on that show so he's fine for now but what what's wwe gonna do once he leaves like yeah you can call on austin or the rock to make an appearance here and there but that's not gonna be enough you gotta think about the future and you keep stifling people you've stifled a bray wyatt you've stifled in his storyline in his booking I, i like i personally never got it but then again, I also understood, like, I, kn- I wouldn't know how to book a guy like this, like, and yet they've, they've booked him to lose in all these, like, storylines that he's been in, like, in big storylines. So, of course, people are going to lose interest and, you know, and then WWE does this to themselves and then they release him because they don't think they're a commodity anymore. And to make matters worse is they just transferred his gimmick to Alexa Bliss and they're reaping the benefits of it. I think Mickey James called them out on this on Twitter. It's like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, we'll let you go, but we're going to keep your gimmick and we're just going to give it to somebody else and they'll run with it. And But good for Alexa Bliss and good for, you know, her. But on the company's part, oh, that's super shitty to do to somebody because Bray Wyatt is a guy that came in with ideas and stuff. Like, he has a lot of the creative stuff behind that character, the fiend and all that stuff with the, the Wyatt family, the cult, like swamp geeky stuff. Um, he was behind a lot of that stuff. You know, it wasn't stuff that was, you know, given to him, you know, it wasn't robotic whenever he would speak on the mic. Like he knows his stuff. And, um, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't pop for him if he came out in AEW, but Maybe he can go to an Impact, you know, start building up that roster. Same thing for Adam Cole. Even if he doesn't go to AEW, he can go to Impact. He could go to back to Ring of Honor, you know, build up those uh, those rosters and those organizations. And you can also work with AEW because AEW is kicking down the forbidden door where you can associate with these companies and have your stars cross over. You know, we're seeing it right now. Kenny Omega, the AEW world champion, and he's been on how many episodes of Impact already? Like, he's doing storylines over there. You know, New Japan, John Moxley's talking about going over there. Uh, Lance Archer, the TNT champion, he's going to be defending, uh, or not the TNT champion, the IWGP uh, champion, US champion. He's going to be bouncing from, you know, the Dynamite show to New Japan. So there's all these waters to play with. So. Do I necessarily see Bray Wyatt as a fit in AEW? No, but I can see him in Impact, and he'd be the top star there for sure, day one. And then have him, you know, you could have him in a match with Kenny Omega. Why the fuck not? And he could try something different and not be, like, creatively stifled. Would he win against an Omega? Who knows? Like, that's a, it's not up for me to decide, but it would make it interesting. So, again, the, the... The grass is greener on the other side, folks. It's not just WWE anymore. Those These 20-plus years that we've been where it's just been WWE, I know it was a WCW ended in 2001. It's exactly 20 years ago, so 
times are changing, folks. Like there's a there's a landscape now again. It's not just you know one guy anymore. It's not just Vince McMahon. So you know he keeps fumbling the ball, and AEW is gonna pick up the pieces. And there's another person that was released. Actually, this person asked for their release, but they were probably released just because they started to make noise. Ric Flair, the 16-time world heavyweight champion of the world, even though that's not the correct number, but that's what WWE pushes, so that's basically what everybody goes by. He was released. And if I'm AEW, I scoop him up and use him as an ambassador role, bring him out to cut a promo, have him do a stare down with Sting. I don't give a fuck. People will mark out for it like he doesn't have to be a featured player but you have to scoop him up and use him as a commodity to get more eyes on the product because right now for AEW I love the young guys that are developing the hangman pages the the orange Cassidy's the Darby Allen's but right now you need eyeballs on your product you need to grow and compete and that's what doing bringing a CM Punk a Brian Danielson possibly an Adam Cole you know, if they want to, you know, risk it with Bray Wyatt, you could even do that. Although I think he would fit better somewhere else. But, you know, bring in all these commodities, get more eyeballs to your product. That's what AEW needs right now. Yes, Ric Flair, like, can't wrestle anymore. I'm not even saying bring him in to do a bump or whatever. Just have him come out and cut a promo whenever you're in Charlotte again or whatever he comes out. Here's Ric Flair to come out to introduce the show and... And uh, welcome everybody. That's all you need him for. So AEW is going to pick him up and it's going to be smart. And WWE, like <laughs> the last time we had Ric Flair in a storyline was him knocking up Lacey Evans. Like what? <laughs> That's the one of the greatest ever, if not the greatest name in the history of professional wrestling. And you have him doing that <laughs> on your television. Like she's, if he gets scooped up by AEW, they will present him. As the gravitas character that he is, like styling, profiling, he'll come out in a suit, sunglasses. Hell, have him come out, have Ric Flair's first appearance in AEW, coming out of a jet plane, like red carpet rolled out and everything. Like I would fucking do that, like just to give him, like just to present him. He'll be an ambassador for the company. You can bring him out for a promo every now and then. Don't have him involved in storylines and matches. Don't even pair him up with anybody. But just bring him out every once, every now and then. Just have him narrate video packages, whatever. Use him to elevate the brand name, the company. That's what you need right now. Tony Khan, if you're listening, that's what you need to use him for. Elevate your brand. But yes, he was released by WWE. And there's been reports... Uh, Dave Meltzer said that he was complaining about storyline bookings uh, as it pertains to his daughter, Ashley, who's Charlotte Flair in WWE. Um, but again, the booking's just bad all around. <laughs> Except for maybe Roman Reigns, who's like the only guy that's like presented correctly in terms of like a character and getting wins and all that stuff. Everybody else is like, you know, whatever. And I, I have a theory now. And I, I, Brian Alvarez said it on his show, but damn it, I thought it first before he said it on his show. So I'm going to take it as my theory first. The fact that Ric Flair has now been released, and I'm sure AEW is going to pick him up in some fashion. If SummerSlam rolls around, I'm starting to think John Cena is going to win that championship. 
just so they can call him the 17-time world champion John Cena. And he'll have the record, even though that's not the real number. Dave Meltzer knows the real number, but whatever. It's always promoted Ric Flair, the 16-time champion. That's the benchmark, right? The 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 standard. Now the, they're probably going to want John Cena, who, you know, no fault of his. He's been such a good soldier for that company. They should never do him wrong. Um, they're going to give him that title, so that way he'll be the benchmark, the 17-time champion. So don't be shocked come SummerSlam if he wins that title and then, I don't know, somehow drops it in a rematch to Roman Reigns that next Friday and the Usos cheat and help him win, you know, whatever. I can see Vince McMahon doing that. They're doing great with Roman Reigns. Would I have Cena win? I mean, me, yes, personally. But from the way they're booking things, no, you want to keep him strong because I think they want to build him up for The Rock. If that's where this is all going, but, you know... Who's to say he can't lose the belt for a week to John Cena before winning it back again? So keep an eye on that, folks. Keep an eye on the betting odds come Sunday for SummerSlam and see if people don't think John Cena is going to win that championship just so they can call him and market it all over the place as him being the 17-time world champion. And then the year of John Cena will really come to fruition, right? As said by yours truly. Um, Yeah, a lot of stuff this weekend. Man, wrestling this, I mean... It's drama, but it's also good drama because, like, you know, we would have felt bad if it were, like, Bray Wyatt and Flair getting released, and but there's, like, nothing on the other side. But there's another side now. So, you know, the possibilities are endless now. So it's going to be interesting. But the big one to keep an eye on, Adam Cole. What will happen after TakeOver, which I'm sure they're going to feature him in the, in the main event with uh, – Kyle O'Reilly, or if not, it'll be, I think, Samoa Joe and Karrion Cross for the title. But the Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole uh, finale will have huge um, stakes. They'll hype it up to be this huge thing. And I think Adam Cole's going to do the honors. As, you know, if you're on your way out of a company, like, you really do want to, like, lay on your back and give the other guy the win. Like, that's just how it goes. It's always been like that. If you're a traditionalist, which I think Adam Cole is kind of like one of those last type of guys that would do that and not to mention he's also like a nice guy and likes to help the business you know he's stuck around here right just he didn't have to he's been working without a contract since like past july he could have easily like and since this went unnoticed he could have easily shown up on aew and he wouldn't have gotten in trouble because he doesn't have a contract but the good guy that he is he did business the right way uh stuck around because they asked him to and, um, yeah, uh, we'll see if he signs long-term. Another report I read is that he hasn't been offered anything long-term. But, again, we're still, what, about two weeks out from TakeOver and SummerSlam weekend. So we'll see what happens then. A lot could happen between now and then. He could resign or we could be getting teases on AEW because they, they know how to set stuff in motion and plan stuff for the long-term and they pay off stuff. Um, one thing to pay attention to, this could be totally unrelated, but I'm going to throw it out there. Britt Baker and, uh, Rebel or Reba, <laughs> they've been getting injured a lot and they've been talking about getting backup. Maybe Britt Baker's talking about Adam Cole. Who knows? Who knows? That's, that's the fun part of, about all of this, guys. Like for us wrestling fans, we can speculate, we can, we can book the territories. That's the best part about it. 
we can all play what ifs now because that exists with AEW now. It's not just like, oh man, they got let go from WWE. What do they do now? Now it's like, oh wow, like they're gone from WWE. Like, what's next? Like, let's see what happens. This is the new uh, Monday Night Wars, like version of it. Like now it's just like, man, like the landscape is just, it's become fun again. Um, WWE, I wish their television was better, but if AEW catches them in ratings, then here we go, guys. Because Vince McMahon cannot ignore that anymore if they start catching them in ratings. And WWE has dipped so far that the possibility is there for AEW to, if not pass them, at least match them. So it's we're close, folks. It's going to take one thing. Is it going to be this CM Punk thing? Brian Danielson? Even, even Adam Cole? It's all there. It's all on the table. It's just a fun time, and I can't wait. It's it's going to be super exciting, and I got shows coming up that are going to cover SummerSlam and then All Out, which will be a couple of weeks later. But I'm going to keep an eye out on these stories. This is, this is so, so much fun, and I can't wait. And that's going to wrap it up for this episode. I, I've talked at length. I didn't. I was hoping to make this an hour, but <laughs> I'm almost going on an hour and 40 here. But a lot of stuff to catch you guys up on and a lot of stuff that I wanted to give my takes on. And it's just a real fun time. Again, wrestling, uh, people think it's dying. It's not. It's, it says, it's not at the heights it was during the Attitude Era, but it's as fun and as engaging as it's ever been in terms of like ratings and, and fan bases and where a wrestler's gonna go now and who's the next breakout star. It's a fun time. And then, of course, the NFL is right around the corner. So, uh, again, I'm going to have wrestling and football. Oh, AEW's got another show coming on. So, oh, just more more content. And uh, it, it's going to be great for this this uh, this bucko right here. Um, I'm going to enjoy all of it. But you can follow this podcast on Spotify. Search Palace Off the Top Rope. Hit that follow button. I do share this podcast. Link through my all my social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram through podbean.com you can download the app you can listen there if you're an apple person subscribe on apple Podcasts and leave me that five star review i would greatly appreciate it leave me a good comment leave me a bad comment leave me some constructive criticism again i'm trying to make this show as best as i can and one more time i'm going to plug i'm looking for a co-host for my football show that i'm going to be doing very very soon and it'll be separate from this show where it'll be all talk about football everything you want to any storylines going on that you want to con- talk about we'll predict all the games and matchups we'll predict division winners super bowl representatives uh who will ultimately win super bowl 56 um in la um yeah a lot of fun stuff it's going to be a great season i'm really looking forward to it but yeah if you're interested hit me up in those dms folks or not if you know me personally you can call me or text me you know i'm always available 24 7 so Yep, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, we'll see Suicide Squad coming up this week. Uh, I'm going to have Tyler Bishop on whenever we whenever we watch that and then we decide to get together and uh, and talk about that and all stuff DC, so that will be coming soon. So be on the lookout for that. Um, we'll see if I do another episode. There could be more crazy news. Who knows? Uh, Dynamite is tomorrow, so we'll see what happens. But for right now, take care, and we'll see you on the next episode.
the match.